Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Happy ADA Month. As you know, this is our month. As a matter of fact, this is our week because July 26th is the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. What a treat do I have for you. What a treat. Because we have with us on the show today the champion for all people with disabilities. We have on the show today a great civil rights leader. We have on the show today a great senator, someone I love. And guess what? While I'm sitting here, I'm looking in my office at a shadow box that I got at a charity from Dredef that has a copy of the ADA. And what name do I see? Senator Tom Harkin. Welcome to the show, Senator. Uh, Joyce, nice to hear your voice. Nice to be with you, and uh, happy ADA anniversary. Uh, we've come a long way. We have come a long way. And, and you know, I don't know if you ever knew that, but Evan uh, Kemp's wife put together this shadow box, and it has a ticket for that day, you know, to the event. It has one of the pens President Bush signed, and it has a copy of the ADA. And every time I look at it where the signatures are, I see your name. Ah, my gosh. Well, you're nice to say that. It was uh, a day I'll never forget, uh, the proudest day of my legislative career, uh, when we when he signed that bill on July the 26th of 1990. What a, what a great day it was. Sun was shining, thousands of people. In fact, I, I, at that time, it was the largest gathering of people ever for a bill signing uh, in, in Washington. Is that right? Well, you know, you will always be remembered for the Emancipation Proclamation for the Disability Community. It's something I want to say about this senator. You know, sometimes we see people on CNN or at the White House, you know, these great senators, and sometimes we wonder, what is that person really like? I want to tell you, he really is the same all the time, dedicated to people with disabilities all the time. Just as you see he's on the show today, I've seen him at so many events. He's always there. And, Senator, why don't you tell them for a minute why why you are so uh, devoted to all of us. Well, Joyce, I will, but I, I think you're laying it too much, a little bit too much on me. I mean, a lot of people struggled for a long time to get the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. Uh, 
Senator, sorry, but I don't agree I'm laying too much on. You are a great man. But as everyone can see, he's also a humble man. So I'm not surprised you told me that, but go ahead. Well, just a lot of people marched. A lot of people got arrested. A lot of people traveled uh, all over this country uh, to try to get people to understand why we needed a civil rights bill for people with disabilities. So uh, I remember all of them. They work so hard. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and was able to use my position to advance that cause. And so I just think of all of the people who came before me with disabilities and what they had to go through. And and uh, I thank them all for all of their contributions. It was a long struggle, but we did overcome and we got the bill passed. Uh, we've made a lot of progress. We, we still have a ways to go yet on a number of things, Joyce. I'm sure we'll get into that on your show. But you asked me a question about how I got involved in this. Well, I grew up with a brother who had a disability, and I saw how he had been discriminated against in his lifetime. And uh, I just thought it was unfair uh, what had happened to him, how he was basically told what he could do and he could do no more, and, and how he was always being uh, underestimated or undervalued, let me put the undervalued by the rest of society. They could only see his disability, but they could not see what he was able to do. And I said to myself uh, many times, if I could ever get in a position to do something about it, I would. Fortunately, the good people of Iowa elected me to the Congress and into the Senate, and I was in a position, again, also thanks to Senator Kennedy, who gave me the chairmanship of the Disability Policy Committee when I came to the Senate in 1985. And I was able to use that to pull people together and to introduce legislation and to move it forward. But a lot, a lot of good people were, were involved in that. But that's, that's really why I got involved. Also, I had a nephew. I have a nephew, I should say. I have a nephew uh, who was injured when he was a very young man and became quadriplegic. And then he wanted to go to school, and you know, he couldn't even get his wheelchair around campus because there weren't curb cuts. I mean, and he couldn't get to classes. They were upstairs. And, and he, he was just limited in what he could do simply because of mobility, just simply because of mobility. And that, again, struck me as something that, we should do something about. I mean, it's not that big a deal. We can, we can, we can change the way things are designed. You know, we can put in ramps. We can put in widened doors. We can put in bathroom stalls. We can uh, 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 put in elevators. Uh, we can put in curb cuts. Uh, we can do all those things. We can make accessible buses and trains, and uh, we can make sure that people at least have mobility. Well, uh, again, uh, just watching what happened to my nephew Kelly. I said, you know, we got to change these things. And so it, it all kind of culminated in the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, uh, and Justin Dart, uh, who worked so hard on this, Joyce, at that time, he, he's the one that dubbed it the Emancipation Proclamation for people with disabilities. And in many ways, he was right. Yes, and you know what? His wife, Yoshiko, listens to this show all the time. So, Yoshiko, 
a special hello to you out there. I know you're listening, and I always tell her that Justin's spirit is still alive with us. Uh, he is. And Yoshiko, I see Yoshiko all the time, so I say hi to Yoshiko, too. She's kept his spirit alive uh, and uh, brings his cowboy hat with him with her when she goes to a lot of our meetings. I just We just had a... Uh, hearing a couple of weeks ago that John McCain and I testified at to get the Convention for the Rights of People with Disabilities out of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and onto the floor of the Senate so that we would join over 150 other nations that have committed themselves uh, to breaking down barriers for people with disabilities on a global basis, not just in one country. So Justin's Dart, Justin Dart's spirit is alive and well. Yes, and Senator, thank you for doing that. How is that moving along, the U.N. Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities? Well, again, for your listeners, just a little bit of background. Um, After we passed the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990, there began a movement uh, in other countries to follow suit. Uh, In the late 1990s, the U.N. decided to take it up as a global initiative and promulgated, after several years, a convention, a treaty on the rights of people with disabilities. Uh, They then put it out to member nations for their adoption. Uh, And uh, as I said, I think there's a hundred and and some nations have already signed off on it. It came to the president uh, two years ago. Uh, He had to send it to all his departments to get them to sign off on it and everything. And President Obama sent it down here two months ago. And uh, Senator Kerry of Massachusetts, the chair of the Foreign Relations Committee, has had a hearing on it. Uh, We tried to get it reported out, but there were some little bumps in the road. We wanted to get it passed on the Senate floor by the 26th, uh, this this Thursday. Um, That's still a possibility, but a slim possibility, because it won't be reported out of the committee until tomorrow. And, uh, pardon? Well, that hopefully that'll move along. Well, hopefully, I, I think the, the Foreign Relations Committee is supposed to report it out tomorrow. Uh, on the 26th? Oh, the hearing is on the 26th. I'm sorry, the markup is on the 26th. I, I'm sorry, Joyce, I've just got informed that the markup in the full committee is on the 26th. So they'll report it out on the 26th. Hopefully we'll be able to bring it up next week and get it passed on the Senate floor next week. Oh, so, I hope so. So I hope so, too. It just, it's just about a week late, uh, but better late than never. <laughs> right. I mean, it's such since we were the leaders that caused other countries to follow us, of course we should be you know signed on to this. That only makes perfect sense. Absolutely, because... Look at it this way. Other nations have signed on to it, so now they have to change a lot of their laws and things to conform to this. Now, we don't have to change anything, but a lot of nations will, and as they begin to develop their laws and stuff, we should have a seat at the table. We had to be helping them, telling them what we had to do and how to do these things. We won't have a seat at the table unless we adopt this convention. And it seems ridiculous for us, the world leader in disability policy uh, to not uh, continue our leadership. So hopefully we'll get this out of the committee and adopt it on the Senate floor uh, next week. 
Well, you know, Senator, when we when you were involved, because here you were right there, you you were the signer, you were the driver. How how hard was it to get the ADA signed? How how hard was that? It was not easy. <laughs> it was uh, there were a lot of moving parts on it. Took us uh, about four years. In fact, the precursor to the ADA was a bill introduced by Senator Lowell Weicker, uh, a Republican of Connecticut. In fact, he was one of the champions, and then he got defeated in 1988, if I'm not mistaken, or 86 or 88, I forget which exactly. And then that fell to me to pick it up and move it forward. Uh, so uh, we had a lot of hearings, uh, a lot of back and forth. We had uh, a lot of meetings with the White House, uh, with the uh, Justice Department, Dick Thornburg was Attorney General at that time. He was absolutely wonderful. Couldn't ask for a better champion uh, for people with disabilities in the Justice Department than Attorney General Thornburg, who, if I'm not mistaken, is from your area, right, Joyce? He's from Pittsburgh. Yes, and guess what? Just had his 80th birthday party. Ah, he's wonderful. I just saw him when we were at the hearing on the Convention for the Rights of People with Disabilities. I saw Dick Thornburg was there. Boyden Gray, who was White House counsel for the first President Bush, was extremely helpful. Uh, Tony Coelho, of course, from the House side. Uh, Steve Bartlett, uh, on, also on the on the House side, Republican on the House side. Uh, uh, Bob Dole couldn't be there because of health reasons, but he sent a wonderful letter uh, supporting uh, getting the convention out uh, and passing. So. Uh, you know, it was a long effort, but a lot of these things do take time, and they take years. And But it finally came together, and, of course, I'm sure all of your listeners uh, out there will enjoy this a little bit. You know, when we finally got down to the end, we we had a little bit of, uh, uh, how can I put this, Joyce, uh, a little bit of, uh, of a tough time to getting all of the disability groups to agree on what they wanted. And uh, compromises had to be made, and uh, they were. And uh, we finally got uh, all the disability groups together. I, I can remember uh, uh, Bobby Silverstein, who was my staff director at that time. Uh, we uh, got all the disability uh, people uh, entities in a room here in the in the in the over here in the Senate building. And as the chair of the committee, I stuck my head, I got them all together, and I said, okay, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to come back here in uh, about an hour and a half, and if you haven't all agreed on what we're, how we're going to proceed, then I guess we're just going to have to pull the plug on it. Oh, whoa. That and was I, a good way to get them to do it, huh? I said, yes. I said, we, we, we've been beating this around and beating it back and forth. I said, you know, uh, we got to move this, and we need you to make the agreement here. I'm going to leave. I'll shut the door, and I'm going to come back in about an hour and a half, and I expect to have an agreement. So I really laid the law down to them, <laughs> and I came back in about an hour and a half, and we had an agreement, and the rest is history. Well, you know, we always have to remember that we can have so much more power if we work together. 
That's in all areas, but in the disability community, we can have so much more power if we work together. So uh, thank goodness you laid the law down or where we'd be, we'd be today. And on that beautiful day, which sadly I was not uh, there because I wasn't yet really full speed involved in the disability community, um, but was it like a beautiful day that day? It was a beautiful day. Are you talking about the day it was signed? Yes, Oh, the day it was. Well, there were two beautiful days. The first beautiful day, well, let's see, I'd say about three. The first was when I got all the groups together and they agreed on what to do. That was a major breakthrough, and that was wonderful. Then the day that it passed on the Senate floor, I was the manager of it. And uh, I remember Senator Kerry from, Mass- from uh, Nebraska was sitting in the chair. And so the bill was called up, and I was recognized to introduce the bill and speak on it. And I gave my entire speech in sign language. Yeah, I, that you are the only person that's ever done that. I'm the only that person that's ever done that. That is just amazing. <laughs> and it was so funny because no one knew what to do, and uh, and the court re- and the reporter didn't know what to do because he didn't understand sign language. Well, then when I got finished and I gave it verbally, uh, Senator Kerry said. Later, he said, that was one of the best speeches I never heard in the United States Senate. (laughs) (laughs) So so it was very enjoyable, and uh, I think the final vote was 91 to 6, if I'm not mistaken. 91 to 6, 91 to 6. So it was an overwhelming vote, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And then the day we were on the White House lawn with Justin Dart sitting up there on the dais with uh, the president, uh, and uh, and uh, when he signed it, and I'll never forget George uh, George H W Bush's words. He said, "Let the shameful wall of discrimination come tumbling down." And it was just, and it was gorgeous. His son was out. It was just beautiful, and people were so happy. I mean, to see all the different groups representing all different disabilities uh, across the country. There, it was just. Uh, uh, it was just one of those moments that you just uh, know is, is going to go down in the history books. Well, I would have liked to have been on the Senate floor when you did that speech in sign language because I just know they would have all been totally not knowing what was going on. It was uh, it was uh, it was a, an interesting moment, uh, I must admit, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well. Um, you know, Senator Harkin, something I want to talk about, which I know you know is dear to my heart, but I also know is very, very important to you, is why the heck do we still have this struggle with employment for people with disabilities after all these years? Still we have this struggle, and I do know, and I thank you, um, that you, you really are pushing, pushing the envelope to change that, and I know you're talking to corporations and CEOs. I know you're out there uh, all the time. But why do you think this is? Why do you think we have this problem? Well, first of all, Joyce, let me just respond by thanking you for your leadership on employment and Bender Consulting Services and all you've done uh, to help people with disabilities find meaningful employment. You've just been a stalwart in this for so many years, and I just can't thank you enough for everything you've done. In fact, a lot of the work that you've done 
has informed us on what we ought to be doing here in Washington. So in a way, you're kind of my leader on this issue. So I'm glad to be one of your followers, Joyce Bender. Well, uh, well, Senator Harkin, it is an honor hearing anything like that from you, because I know you do this all the time, but why do you think we have this problem, Senator? Well, we have a problem. Uh, let's see if I how I best can answer this. We have the problem because of uh, built-in misperceptions that have gone on for years and years and generations, and that is that, you know, people with disabilities you know, can't do certain things. Uh, they they can't do a certain job. They can't. Uh, they that, in other words, that that employment of people with disabilities is like a charity. You do it, mm-hmm. but it's not going to make you any money. Well, and then there's just the then there's the age old uh, discrimination mindset that people with disabilities working alongside other people make them nervous. They don't want to be around people with disabilities. Uh, That kind of a mindset uh, that's out there. Uh, And quite frankly, we just haven't had enough good affirmative action programs. But now that's changing. One of the good things about not only the ADA, but the IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and mainstreaming kids in school with disabilities rather than sending them off to some separate school, what we now have is we have a new generation of young people who have grown up alongside of friends who have disabilities. It's not a big deal to them. Uh, they've been in school with them, playgrounds with them, buses, birthday parties, that type of thing. And, and it's just sort of become... So now... It's not a big deal if they work with people who are disabilities. So with disabilities, so so we have this new generation, and in fact, I call it the ADA generation because they've grown up with the ADA. They have high expectations for themselves, and they expect to be an integral part of the workforce. And they're not going to just sit back and take uh, some meaningless job that doesn't challenge them. So. You've got all these built-in biases, built-in things in the past, but fortunately we're making progress. Now, not as not as much as I'd like. It's been the most frustrating thing of my career to see how little we've advanced in employment uh, with, of people with disabilities since the ADA was passed 22 years ago. Now, a, a lot of that, Joyce, I can go into a little bit of history. A lot of that is because in the late after the ADA was passed. We had to start implementing it. We had to start getting um, things done in the infrastructure, like accessible buses and mm-hmm. curb and curb cuts and all the mm-hmm. other things that go along with that. Then in the late 90s, the Supreme Court uh, decided three cases called the Sutton Trilogy. They decided three cases that really set us back in employment. Uh, they misinterpreted the ADA. Well, that was in 1999. We spent the next eight years getting legislation through here to overcome the Supreme Court, which we finally did in 2008, so that we took care of the Supreme Court's problem, if you can call it that. And so really it wasn't until late 2008, 2009, till we now have a green light, really, to move ahead aggressively 
unemployed people with disabilities. Armed with that, uh, I met in Washington. You were here for that, Joyce Bender. I remember I met with disability groups, I think it was in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, we have to make a major push on employment. And I think it was a two-day meeting. I wanted mm-hmm. information. You were there mm-hmm. supplying us with what we needed to do. I then reached out to the um, business community. Mm-hmm. And by the spring of 2011, we had the Chamber of Commerce committed to employing one million more people by 2015, uh, people with disabilities, in competitive employment. Mm-hmm. Not in not in sub-minimum wage type employment, but competitive employment. And then we uh, found that there were some companies doing really remarkable things. Walgreens, for example. Randy Lewis uh, came into my life and uh, showed us what they were doing at Walgreens to employ people with disabilities. And this culminated last uh, in May... Uh, where we called together um, CEOs and people from some of the biggest companies in America. We had the CEO of of Walgreens, of course, and we met up at Walgreens Distribution Center up in Connecticut. But we had companies there like Lowe's, IBM, Merck, UPS, the CEO of UPS, Walmart, um, Procter & Gamble, Office Max, we're all there, and we spent an entire day talking about employing people with disabilities. We went through the Walgreens operation, and they have uh, upwards of 50% of their people working in that plant are people with disabilities. And they're working right alongside people without disabilities. A lot of times you can't tell who's got a disability and who doesn't. And they're in competitive employment. As Walgreens has shown, they're some of the best workers. They work the hardest. They have high productivity. They're there on time. They're devoted to their job. And as, as the CEO of Walgreens said, it's actually helped our bottom line to hire people with disabilities. Now, Joyce, when I was sitting there listening to that, boy, a lot of memories came back to me. I remember my brother, Frank, who was deaf, who was told the only thing he could do in life was be a baker or a shoe cobbler uh, or a printer's assistant. Well, he didn't want to do any of those things. So he was forced to be a baker. Well, he didn't like that, and he didn't want it. He thought he had better abilities than that. And finally, a uh, man by the name of Mr. Delavan, Delavan Manufacturing Company in Des Moines, Iowa, um, was making very finely machined parts for jet engines. It took a lot of skill to run these machines to make these little parts. And um, so he, hi- he hired some people with deafness. He hired my brother. Turned out to be one of the best, best workers I ever had because, well, I guess since Frank couldn't hear, the noise didn't bother him. And so he wasn't distracted. He focused on his job. Productivity went up. And Mr. Delavan then hired, started hiring more people with disabilities. So I remember then that my brother was not a drag on this company. He actually helped this company make money. And that's what Walgreens has shown, and that's what other employers are now learning, that with 
small support systems, many of which hardly cost anything at all, but just small support systems, they can hire with people with disabilities, and it helps their bottom line. So I've gone on a little too long on this, but as you can see, I'm pretty excited about this now, that we're now joined with the disability community, the business community, and the government to work together to employ at least a million more people with disabilities by 2015. That would be about a 20% increase. Oh, and, that would be just so awesome, Senator. Well, and, I'm, Senator, I'm, I know that I have a few callers on the line here, and I also know I won't be able to take all the callers, but um, we have a Michael on the line. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, yes, my name is Michael Murray. I work for the Office of Personnel Management at the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. Um, and first, Senator Harkin, I just want to say how much I deeply, deeply respect you. Um, you are one of my heroes, and I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for uh, for the disability community. Um, recently, the HELP Committee published a, a really amazing report called Unfinished Business, Making Employment of People with Disabilities a National Priority. And, uh, and as a young person who grew up in that ADA generation, uh, you know, I went to school and, uh, and graduated, and, and imagine this, I expected to, uh, to start working, uh, and I've been blessed that I've uh, been able to succeed in a lot of ways, uh, but I know that there are a lot of other folks uh, in that ADA generation, uh, my, my peers, who are, um, who are struggling, um, and I heard you give a speech recently, and you, and you gave some really encouraging words to that ADA generation, uh, and so so I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, to encourage that generation around employment. Well, Michael, thank you for your kind words. Uh, yes, I I'm encouraging every young person in this ADA generation uh, to don't take no for an answer and to begin seeking out those employment opportunities and 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 push the agenda. Uh, you know, um, uh, you just don't just don't sit back, but get out and be aggressive. And I'll do all that I can with our committee. I've committed our resources, and there are people in the business community who are looking for qualified people uh, to to work. People with disabilities. Uh, so I, I just I just encourage uh, this ADA generation. To get out there and and uh, and and like I say, you know, start seeking out those jobs. You can do it, and you can be a part of our workforce. And I, as we, you know, of course we're in the depths of a recession still, Michael. You know that, and jobs are pretty tough out there for everybody. But as we come out of this recession in the next year, two years, three years, and we will, I want to make sure that when companies start hiring people back and increasing their employment level, uh, they don't forget about people with disabilities. And one of the best ways for them not to forget is for you all to be in their face. I hate to put it that way, <laughs> but be out there and apply for those jobs. Uh, and as I said, uh, uh, just make yourself known. I'm working with the federal government right now to make sure that federal contractors the people who contract with the federal government, that they also have affirmative action plans in place to do like Walgreens has done, to reach out and hire, make sure that these subcontractors who are getting taxpayers' dollars 
uh, aren't discriminated against against people with disabilities in their hiring. Great. Which Thank is awesome. So and I just want to say, Senator, that Michael uh, Murray works for Veronica Villalobos and John Berry, and they are doing a great job working to implement President Obama's executive order for the federal government to hire 100,000 people over five years. Um, and Michael himself has a disability uh, and is a leader. So, Michael, I keep doing the great work and listen to the senator because we need all the young people with disabilities leading the way that we can get. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks for, thanks for calling, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. I think we have another caller on the line, Phil. Hi, Joyce. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for taking my call. And Senator Harkin, I just wanted to call briefly and uh, just let you know, as, as President and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation, uh, your work not only on the, uh, the disabilities movement in the disabilities movement, but also with the Affordable Care Act has meant a great deal to millions of people around, around the country. And from a personal perspective, I can tell you that um, I have a son who is part of the ADA generation as well, who is now, who had an aide in the classroom, a one-on-one aide all the way through eighth grade, and uh, went on to graduate from college and is now employed competitively, as you said earlier in the show, uh, with one of our leading defense contractors in the country living in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, he has a security clearance that I don't have a security clearance, so he's he's doing quite well for himself. Um, but uh, he, he's starting to represent more and more people who aren't settling, who are fighting, who aren't taking no for an answer, and who are moving forward. Uh, and as you said, they're alongside people who have grown up with people with disabilities in their classrooms and in their work environments, and, and uh, that acceptance and encouragement has meant a, meant a great deal to him, uh, to my son Philip, but also to his mother and I, and your leadership in that, in that uh, endeavor, uh, that ongoing endeavor, along with uh, Joyce's work and people like Tony Coelho and others, uh, many others, has really cleared a path for my son and millions of people with epilepsy uh, around the country to uh, to achieve things that in the past really were never even would never have been considered. Uh, they used to have epileptic colonies where people would uh, would live uh, if you had epilepsy. And the last uh, epileptic colony closed uh, just back in 1963. So it mm-hmm. wasn't that long ago that the discrimination and the uh, the misperception of things was prevalent. So I just wanted to thank you for your leadership. And hope that uh, you know in the months and years to come that we can continue to work together uh, to make a difference. Well, thank you so much. You must be very proud of Philip. I know I am, and I don't even know him. Uh, <laughs> but we are indeed. But this is, these these are the kind of young people we need to get out there, and uh, I'm sure he can be a great role model for others. Uh, and uh, uh, again, we this is just uh, we just can't let this pass. You know. Uh, and, and perhaps this is a, an opportune time. You, you know, you get what is it making lem- lemonade out of lemons? You know, so we've we've had this recession. A lot of people with disabilities were laid off. In fact, at twice the rate, more than twice the rate of people without disabilities during the recession. So well, when we start coming back out of this recession, we don't want to be left behind. We want right. to make sure that we're there. 
the disability community is there and that we're demanding that, uh, that we be hired back, uh, not at the same rate. We want even more <laughs> because, in other words, if, if, if people with disabilities were laid off at twice the rate, they should be hired back at twice the rate. And, they've, right. and we've got to have competitive employment. And I think a lot of these companies, they're ready to move. I saw them up in Connecticut in May, and, and I think their eyes are opened, too, by what Walgreens and um, uh, Lowe's, uh, Procter & Gamble, a few others have done. Uh, and they're finding that, you know, we're missing a bet here, folks. We, we've got, we've, we're, we're missing a bet. We're, we're missing some of the best employees we could hire. Right by not having an affirmative program to get people with disabilities in here. So that's why I say, we, because of this recession, I think as we come out of it, this is our opportunity. Let's just, let's, let's, not, let's not get in the back of the bus on this one. Let's get in the front of the bus on this one. Absolutely. And, uh, oh, Senator, I agree with you so much. And Phil Gatone, I'm also glad you called in since you are the new CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation, but someone that I've known for years as an advocate. Um, and I know, Phil, with your passion, you'll take us to an even higher level. Well, thank you, Joyce. And, and Senator, one yeah. last thing I want to tell you is that uh, for about 40%, 30 to 40% of people with epilepsy, uh, even though, you know, parents do everything they can, the person with epilepsy does everything, the doctors do everything they can, seizures persist. And it's very difficult for many people uh, with active seizures uh, to get over that, that hump of, uh, you know, the stigma that's out there for epilepsy. So the work that we're doing continues. And to that end, the Institute of Medicine put out a report that's been really amazing. It hasn't been done in decades. And, uh, I would encourage uh, Joyce and, and all leaders, you, yourself, Senator, to uh, to use any advocacy arm you can to uh, to add the strength to your message because uh, we're stronger together and uh, you have our full support. Well, Phil, thank you very, very much. I'll get that. Uh, do you know about the Institute of Medicine? Okay. Let's, do, what, tell me that Institute of Medicine report. When was it? It just came out March 30th. It's brand new, and uh, it came up with 13 recommendations on how to. It's called Epilepsy Across the Spectrum, and it, it addresses 13 recommendations, uh, all the way from epidemiology, all the way to raising public awareness and uh, advocacy, and you know several different uh, priority areas. And uh, I think it's it's really a wonderful piece to show how all of us can work together to uh, to improve lives, just as you've done for, for many decades. Uh, I'm just taking all the notes on it and get my hands on it. Thanks so much you know for the what, heads up. You know what, Phil, I was going to tell you, you should get a copy of that for Senator Harkin. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll that, send you a copy immediately. Copy. You should get that for him. That well, would be very helpful. Well, listen, I, don't want to put, I, I don't want to put people to work for saying I got Lee uh, personally here, and Lee wrote that down. So if you can get it to me, fine, but get it to Lee, and he'll get it to me. Will do. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks, You're sir. welcome. You know, uh, it is amazing to me that no matter what the disability, we all have the same issues, which is wanting quality of life and the right to compete and equality, because as you know, Senator, until you have competitive employment, you're not free in this country because you can't buy a house, you can't do all the other things that people do. And when I was hearing you speak, I'm thinking, okay, we've got to get T-shirts made. Senator Hargan, with some of these things that you said, 
you know, don't take no for an answer, just don't sit back. I think we need that in the disability community. We need to start wearing that shirt because that's what we've got to do. We've got to change the way we think and not take no for an answer. That's right. And uh, don't take no for an answer. And as I said, don't sit in the back of the bus and get up front and let people know what you're capable of doing. And uh, and I always tell people uh, with uh, disabilities, aim high. Aim high. Uh, if you don't make it, don't worry about it. I mean, everybody fails once in a while in life. Uh, I mean, there are things I thought I wanted to be early in life, and I didn't make it, and I never thought I'd ever get into this business I'm in uh, when I was young. But, you know, we all have different abilities. And uh, so I always tell people, aim high. Don't be afraid of maybe if you don't make the first one, you'll make the second. But always keep aiming high. Yes, that's right. Don't lower the bar. That's right. And don't let anyone else tell you to lower the bar. Listen to the senator. And, you know, I would say I wish that in all the schools in America that they would talk about Senator Harkin and what he says so that we would not have young people with disabilities who are so despondent and so bullied that they don't even want to live. We really need to change the way we think here because there is hope. There is the ability to find freedom. And I know, Senator Harkin, you mentioned um, about affirmative action, and I know that you're working very hard uh, to get Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act through. Um, do, you, do you think we have a chance of that happening over the next year? What do you think about that? Well, Joyce, again, for your listeners, let's just make sure that everyone understands that Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act, uh, what it does is it it prohibits discrimination by federal contractors and subcontractors against individuals on the basis of disability, but it also sets affirmative action requirements for hiring qualified individuals. Well, we're working now uh, to have a new rule to focus on strengthening the affirmative action provisions of, of Section 503. And this new rule details specific actions that a contractor must take to satisfy its obligations for affirmative action. The highlight of the proposed rule is the requirement that federal contractors set a hiring goal of having 7% of their workforce be individuals with disabilities. Uh, in order to facilitate the achievement of this goal, the rule, the proposed rule, would make a number of changes to the existing regulations, including increased outreach and recruitment of people with disabilities, increased focus on reasonable accommodations. Well, now, I'm monitoring, Joyce, I'll tell you, the administration's progress on this proposed rule. I have, believe me, talked to them on numerous occasions. They tell me it's on track. They're moving ahead with it. I'm hopeful that the final rule will be released, uh, well, sometime soon. Hopefully, uh, within, within, before this fall. 
And I Boy, can that t- would be great if that would happen with, uh, you know, with the National Disability Employment Awareness Month in October uh, and October. all the things we're doing. But to tell you the truth, I wish it would happen now. I wish it would. I'll be just happy when it does happen so that we, too, are equal with other minority groups. Because I believe, yeah. Senator, when that happens, we will see the biggest jump ever in employment, and you'll finally see your dream come to fruition. Well, I'm reminding the president that in 2008, when he was running for president, I went out to Ohio and met with the large disability community that was national in scope. I think it was carried live. Uh, it was uh, online. And I carried the, the president, couldn't, uh, the, Mr. Obama, couldn't be there, but I carried his message. And one of that was that if he was elected president, he was going to support full implementation of Section 503. Well, I know we've had a couple of tough years in employment and all that, but I have kept reminding him and his chief of staff and others that they got to make good on this. And I think they're hearing it. And that's why I'm hopeful that sometime soon that we'll get a final rule on this. Um, and uh, it'll be, uh, again, uh, long overdue. This is something we should have done 20 years ago, but we never did. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And I guess, you know, we we're always so interested in the 90s in implementing the the ADA and getting all of the physical things changed. And then in the 2000s, we were so focused on overturning those darn Supreme Court decisions. But now we're focused on employment. Now, Now we're focusing on employment. And now is the time for this administration to get the final rule out and make it clear that people who are getting contracts with the federal government, that they have to have a strong affirmative action program to hire people with disabilities. Now's the time to get it done. Yes, and Senator Harkin, uh, I cannot read all of these tweets and comments on Facebook and email, but they all had one thing in common, so I'll just read a couple of them. And the first one from a Cindy says that was tweeted, Senator Harkin, I just have one thing to say. We need you. Then I have on Facebook from a Tom, Senator Harkin, we need a voice. That's your voice. And then we have a Larry that sent on, that tweeted me saying, please let the senator know how much we appreciate that he's fighting for us. And I had many of these tweets and comments, so I think what we all have to say to you, Senator, is thank you and we need you. Well, you're not thank, done. We we well, need you. You're not well, done yet. We we're not need done you. yet. No, no. We we've got a ways to go yet, uh, Joyce. Uh, the employment thing. I'm 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 just I'm. This is sort of a real focus on mine now. This is this whole area, and I and the next couple of years, just making sure that we really, really bear down on getting people in competitive employment jobs in America, in the private sector, and in government contractors. Uh, then there's some other things. Joyce, I'm working on it. We're not done yet. You know, I, we got our buses accessible and we got trains accessible. And 
You can take seeing-eye dogs, and they're pretty accessible on airplanes. But we haven't gotten taxi cabs accessible yet. And it's time to get a movement in America to make all taxi cabs accessible. I'm telling you, I, I went to London, uh, was it last, yeah, last summer? I went to London. And to my surprise, every taxi cab in London is fully accessible. Well, they can do it in London. Why can't we do it here? And so we have an effort underway. You know about this. Uh, I worked very closely with uh, Governor Cuomo in New York. He's been great on this issue. Uh, when we get new taxi cabs in New York to make sure they're accessible, uh, we need to make every taxi cab in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, fully accessible. So this is, a, this is another push that we've got to get on. Uh, it, it's, it's time that when you replace these old cabs, uh, let's make the new ones fully accessible. And you know what, Joyce? I've seen these fully accessible cabs. And you know what? If you put one of these fully accessible cabs next to one of these other ones you see on the streets, and you just ask a person without a disability, which one, you, which you, which one would you rather get in, they'll always pick the one with a... That's, 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 that's fully accessible. There's more room. There's more headroom. It's easier to get in and out of. You know, it's like, uh, it's like when we, 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 we put in things for, uh, we put in ramps thinking this was for people with wheelchairs. Then we find out mothers with baby strollers, uh, elderly people with walkers uh, uh, could use these too. I mean, so it, this whole idea of, of a universal design uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you know, taxi cabs next. All right. Well, Senator, you know, obviously people have had an impact on you in your life uh, because of how giving you are and, and how kind you are and how you're fighting for people with disabilities. So I have to ask you, um, who was your role model? Well... I always go back to my brother Frank was a great role model for me because he would not accept the limitations that society wanted to put on him because he had a disability. Um, and my nephew, of course, my brother Frank is now deceased. He had prostate cancer. Uh, but my nephew Kelly, who got injured as a big strapping young kid and got injured became quadriplegic, and then just following his life and how, you know, he couldn't go to school because of his wheelchair. And then we finally got curb cuts and made things accessible. And, and, and again, to see how he has not given up. And he's lived an independent life. He got married. He, he has his own house. Uh, 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 he just, you know, but it was always a struggle, and it shouldn't be that much of a struggle. Uh, things had to be designed so that everybody can use them. So those are two of my my role models. Uh, I'd have to say also that my chairman of my committee when I came here, Senator Kennedy, uh, was wonderful on this on this whole issue of people with disabilities, uh, and he was the one that let me become chairman of the Disability Policy Subcommittee on his committee and let me handle the legislation for those four years. Um, he was also a great role model in standing up for what was right and uh, maybe not always popular, 
but standing up for what was right. So, you know, we all have our role models, and uh, and those are at least three three of mine. Well, those are certainly uh, people that had a tremendous impact on your life, and I I know that there are just so many people that listen to this radio show across America. Then, of course, it's replayed throughout the world 12 hours from now. But uh, for those listening right now, Senator Harkin, what, what message would you like to leave with them? What I'd like to leave is this, that I hope we've reached the point where we see disability as a normal part of the human experience. Not abnormal. It's normal. And anyone, anyone at any time could become, quote, disabled. Um, And so we need to structure our society and our infrastructure so that the infrastructure is not does not discriminate. Uh, secondly, we need to change attitudes. Uh, a lot of them are being changed now, but we need even more of a change in attitudes among people. That, especially in schools, Joyce, you mentioned earlier about bullying. Too many kids with disabilities are being bullied, mm-hmm. and and teachers, principals, superintendents, others. I've got to become more sensitive to this. And we just have to let kids know that that is not acceptable behavior to bully kids who have disabilities. Uh, we also need, uh, right now, the message I would leave is that, is that uh, uh, you know, no one gave the disability community the Americans with Disabilities Act. I didn't give it to the disability community nor did Senator Kennedy or Senator Weicker or, or, or anyone else. The disability community demanded it, and they fought for it. They struggled for it. They marched. They rolled their wheelchairs. A lot of them got arrested, and they wouldn't give up until they took their rightful place among civil rights statutes. So they fought for it. And a lot of these things in life people aren't going to give you. You've got to fight for them. And so my, my message again to people with disabilities is the old Winston Churchill refrain, never give up. Don't give up. Make your demands met. Let people know you're not going to be a second-class citizen. You're going to stand up for your rights, and now the law is on your side. And you want your rightful place both socially in terms of being able to join with family and friends in any kind of social setting. You want equality in terms of transportation and mobility. You want equality in terms of housing and independent living and not being shunted to an institution. You want equality in terms of job opportunities so that your skills can be utilized to their maximum. So that's my message. Don't give well, up. What, what a great message that is. And uh, before you go, Senator Harkin, I, I want to, in behalf of the disability community, I want to thank you again for always being there for us, for fighting for us, and for having our back. I really want to thank you. Well, Joyce, I always thought it was the other way around. I thought you all had my back. 
<laughs> we do. We have your back, too. You have ours, and we have yours, because uh, we, we all sure, love you. We sure do. I love you all, and it's, it's, uh, and let's keep marching together. All right. Well, we end every show, Senator, with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and today that quote is, it is time to make it possible for more Americans with disabilities to experience the dignity that comes with a paycheck, said Senator Tom Harkin. Uh, I thought I recognized that. Yeah, those are your words, Senator Harkin, and well, those words well, thank you, are Joyce. such reality. And thank you, and thank you for your wonderful leadership. You've been a great partner and a great friend and, and an inspiration to me, too, from what you've done with your life and how you've worked so hard to give people with disabilities opportunities. So, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you're welcome. And, Senator Harkin, I know I'll be seeing you this week as we celebrate the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and I'll be there. You'll be there. Happy ADA to everyone. And, Senator, thank you again. All right, Joyce. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And to all of you listening, happy ADA. Happy birthday, ADA. We'll all celebrate, and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.